So as I prepared for Bible study this past week and for the message today, I read and reread the scripture that Pastor Eric and I chose to include in this Acts series. And as I read and reread, I thought, what were we thinking? It's not that it's a, it's a great message. It's a great passage. Don't get me wrong. But there's just so much in there, so much to try to cover in a short span of time, and so much heavy stuff that's also still happening in the world today. So as we read this, pay attention to things that it might trigger some thoughts or memories of things that are happening in the world today that we see in this reading. So I invite you to please stand as we read from Acts chapter 16. One day, as we were going to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners a great deal of money by fortune-telling. While she followed Paul and us, she would cry out, These men are slaves of the Most High God who proclaim to you a way of salvation. She kept doing this for many days. But Paul, very much annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I order you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. And so you would think people would celebrate she's freed, she's healed. But when her owners saw that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them to the marketplace before the authorities. When they had brought them before the magistrates, they said, These men are disturbing our city. They are Jews and are advocating customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to adopt or observe. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates had them stripped of their clothing and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had given them a severe flogging, they threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to keep them securely. Following these instructions, the jailer put them in the innermost cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was an earthquake so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors wide open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, since he supposed that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted in a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. The jailer called for lights, and rushing in, he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them outside and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They answered, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. At that same hour of the night, he took them and washed their wounds. Then he and his entire family were baptized without delay. He brought them up into the house and set food before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced that he had become a believer in God. Now when morning came, the magistrates sent the police, saying, Let those men go. And the jailer reported the message to Paul, saying, The magistrate sent word to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. 
But Paul replied, They have beaten us in public, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison. And now they're going to discharge us in secret? Certainly not. Let them come and take us out themselves. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them. And they took them out and asked them to leave the city. After leaving the prison, they went to Lydia's home. And when they had seen and encouraged the brothers and sisters there, they departed. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. About a year ago, I heard Nadia Boltz-Weber preach on this same passage, and it made an impression on me. And so I'm just going to share a little bit of what she shared. She shared that Act 16 is the ultimate trauma combo pack. I was attending a festival of homiletics about trauma. And when you think of all the trauma that's happening in our world and this passage, she said, this is the ultimate trauma combo pack. You have false accusations against Paul and his companions. There's beatings. There's xenophobia, fear of foreigners. The crowd is stirred up against Paul and his friends because of their ethnic and religious background. And how often are people still mistreated today because of those same things? This text also has people unjustly thrown into prison. And I keep hearing how there's a need for prison reform in the U.S. Back in 2015, so several years now, the ELCA shared that in the past 30 years before that, there was a 500% increase in the number of people in U.S. jails and prisons. 500% increase. And people who are experiencing poverty are locked up at a higher rate. And the scripture doesn't stop there. There's an earthquake and a near suicide. And I just recently learned that suicide is the second leading cause of death for young people in the U.S. And I was like, what? Why are we not talking about this more? Why do we keep putting so much pressure on our young people? Of all those things I named, Nadia said, what made her shudder at first read was none of those things. What gave her chills when she first read this passage was when Paul had someone follow him around for days saying the same dang thing over and over and over again. She said, I think I have never related to the Apostle Paul more than when the scripture said that someone was tap dancing on his last nerve. And it said that Paul was greatly annoyed and finally snapped. <laughs> have any of you ever been greatly annoyed and almost snapped? Maybe just me? I don't know. This passage lays out for us our basic human shortcomings. And it also lays out hurts that are so deep in our world today. And then it invites us to ask and to seek, where in the world is God working? Where in the world is God working? When false rumors get spread and are so often believed instead of the truth. Where is God working when people wrongly fear those who are different from themselves just because of those differences and maybe don't even realize it. Or when natural disasters destroy whole communities. Or where is God working when suicide is such a painful reality that touches far too many of us? If we go back to our reading, it starts out with this girl who's a slave. She's made property of other people, 
nothing more than a source of money to them. And for some reason, it takes Paul days before he finally speaks a word of freedom for her. I don't understand that. Like, why does it take him so long to finally speak life and truth for this girl? And he does it when he's annoyed. That's what leads him to do it. But he finally does. He speaks this word of life and truth that breaks into the lies and the forces that are opposed to God inside her and the things that are keeping her hostage in the world. He speaks this word of life in the name of Jesus, and she is freed. Now, we don't get to hear what happens to her. But my hope and my dream is that she keeps following Paul as he goes on his way to that place of prayer, that she follows Paul to the start of that new church community there, and that she is given a place to belong and a people who will provide for her, because that's exactly who we are to be as church community, a people that give others a place to belong, that continue to provide for those who need it. Now, Paul speaks this word that casts out this false spirit that's in the girl. And Nadia Boltz-Weber points out that in the Old Testament, in the original language of the scriptures, the word for Satan in Hebrew, it means accuser. It can also mean adversary. But when you see the word devil or Satan appear in our scriptures, most often it's referring to an accuser. And she mentions that this accuser speaks lies to us, lies about ourselves and about others. And on our own, we believe those lies. Lies like the false accusations that land Paul and his friends in prison. Lies like the ones that the girl's owners believe, that money in their pockets is more important than the value of this girl's life. How many people today experience human trafficking, even in the United States, if you look this up? These lies are still alive and well. The accuser also gives us false lies, gives us the idea that we can fix anything. Tells us the lie that if we would just try hard enough, we could make anything okay. For those of us who are a survivor of a loved one who's died from suicide, the accuser feeds us lies also. That if we would have come sooner or reached out more or done something differently, we could have stopped this thing from happening. And so often that's not the case. It's a lie. Nadia has a friend who has said that some cases of mental illness are so chronic that she understands them as a terminal illness. Sometimes it absolutely can matter what we say or how we reach out. But when someone attempts suicide or dies from suicide, so many times there weren't really obvious signs or the despair was so great that we could not fix it for them, even if we would have arrived sooner or said or done something differently. So often it's just not the case. At the same time, there are times when it does make a difference. Like in our reading today, this jailer who pulls a sword on himself he is caught up in some lies that he's telling himself. Maybe the lie that he's failed at his job, or the lie that he's going to die anyway because he lost prisoners, or the lie that it'd be better for his family for him to die than to live, or the lie that he's all alone. And Paul's voice speaks truth that breaks through all those lies he keeps telling himself. 
He calls out, do not harm yourself. We are all here. You are not alone. Do not harm yourself. We are all here. You are not alone. Every one of us is a part of a bigger, truer story than anything this world offers us. This story that we are brought into through baptism, God's great story that we are a part of. And this story refutes every lie we would believe about ourselves and about others. This story refutes every lie that would devalue ourselves or devalue another human being. It's this story of Jesus and Jesus' way for us that makes possible things we think are impossible. If we look at our Acts reading today, it's a story that makes possible for a jailer to find healing and salvation through a prisoner he's keeping captive. It's a story that enables a jailer to welcome into his home people he's kept in shackles so that he can kneel down and wash their wounds, that they in turn will baptize him and his whole household into this story of life and salvation that's full of possibility. It's the story of Jesus that forms together by the end of this story a strange grouping of people, a new church. And it's a faith community that's full of people who are wealthy and those experiencing poverty, those who have healing and those who have experienced deep harm, former convicts and slaves and those who are freed. And they're all formed into one community gathered in Jesus' name in this story and all of us gathered here today, all made worthy, all precious to God, all brought into Jesus' life-giving work. We step back for a minute. Our reading today takes place in the city of Philippi. And the whole reason they end up there is because Paul has a vision during the night of a man pleading with him, pleading and saying, come over and help us. And so hearing this call to help, Paul and his companions can't not go They set out on this long journey, not knowing what's ahead of them. They go to be a people of help, which points to our God. Because one thing that our God is called throughout the scriptures the most is our God is called our helper. We prayed that in our psalm today, that our help comes from the Lord. And Paul and his friends' willingness to show up to help, whatever that's going to look like, it points to our God. They help people experience Jesus Christ. And we do the same when we go out with this mission, this idea of being helper for the people around us. Now, as we've approached today, I've been thinking a lot about those who are graduating. And I think about those who are graduating, and I wonder, how many of them are tired of answering the question, what are you going to do next year? Or what are you going to do after you graduate? Maybe they're not tired of it, but I would guess some of them are. Either way, We keep pushing this heavy question on young people from the time they're little until their time they're old, saying, what do you want to do when you grow up? As if once you hit adulthood, you have life all figured out. That is a lie. Would you agree? (laughs) We spend our whole lives trying to figure life out, learning and growing each step of the way from the time we are born until the end of adulthood. And through it all, the greatest and most holy calling any of us can have, the thing that we should seek more than anything else, is to be follower of Jesus. May none of us forget that. 
that whether we have life all figured out or we have no clue what we're doing or are still trying to figure out where's God calling us, no matter where we are or what we end up doing, the greatest calling we have for our lives is in each situation, with each person we meet, to live in ways that follow Jesus' life-giving way, to speak truth and life to one another and help each other know we are not alone. We are a people who are sent out to be helper in Jesus' name. And when we do that, it points to the Lord, who's our ever-present helper with us always, no matter what happens in this life. Thanks be to God. Amen. This time I want to invite you to please stand for our song.